0: Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today.
1: Good morning and welcome to Woman Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Melissa Washington, your host of Women, Veterans, in Business. Our show topic today is military transition and finding your passion after taking off the uniform and how to survive. In small business ownership, and our leading lady today is Laura Hatcher. Good morning, Laura.
2: Good morning, Melissa.
1: Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for your service. All right. So thank you.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm so absolutely. excited. Absolutely.
1: No, I'm. I'm. I'm so. I'm so glad you are here. And uh, first of all, you know, I always like to ask um, all of our uh, women who come on is. You know, since all of us have have served in the military, you know, the first question is, why did you join the military? Um, It
2: basically was a lifestyle um, from age nine. My mother married a sailor, um, my stepfather, who raised me, and uh, we moved around the world um, following him and his career. Um, And when I was in high school, he introduced me to uh, a young Marine Corps officer who had recently retired, uh, excuse me, for recently graduated um, from the Naval Academy, and he, uh, my stepfather, was thinking he would, that would be an ideal person for me to talk to um, about college. Um, imagine this is the not, I don't want to date myself because then everybody will know how old I am, but uh, mid '80s, so shortly after the first class of women had graduated from the class of 1980. This young Marine got me so excited about going to the Naval Academy. Uh, unfortunately, at the very end of this this discussion um, where he's told me all the great things about Annapolis, he made a kind of an offhand comment, something to the effect of, um, you probably wouldn't make it, though, because you're a girl. And I went home so angry. <laughs> so my dad, I don't know why you introduced him to me. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to show him. Where is that paperwork? You know, back back in the day where you actually had to fill out little bubble sheets to to get into college, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and the rest is history because uh, I was basically raised to think that I could do anything. And the worst thing you can tell me, especially a, a young girl, is that I couldn't do something because uh, it just had the opposite effect.
1: So, did you go to the academy? I did. <laughs>
2: you did. I did go to the academy. Yes, ma'am. I am uh, from the mighty class of 1992. Uh, I also went through the Naval Academy Preparatory School. Um, I, I like to inspire young young men and women uh, by saying that, um, you know, you, you if you persevere, you'll you'll get to where you want to go. I did the five-year, four-year program. I'm also a Naval Academy Preparatory um, uh, Preparatory School alum. And it was a much needed thirteenth grade um up in newport Rhode island uh and then from there uh I successfully made it through that program and, and went to the naval academy
1: so for those that may not be familiar with the academy, of course people know the Annapolis the academy but so 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 tell us about that you go to you're in college correct, and then with and you sign up, you go to college, and because you then after that you've signed up to also to be in the military so what when you were in Annapolis, what was your what did you want to do? I mean, did you already have that decided okay when i when I leave here i I know I'm going to go be stationed somewhere, but what was what was the goal what, what did, or did you even have that or what were you thinking that that was going to be the, what was going to be the next step for you?
2: Yeah, so we like to say that Annapolis is not college, and at a capital N for Navy. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> we, we even have T-shirts printed, not college. Um, but it uh, obviously uh, all the service academies are prestigious institutions that develop uh, men and women uh, to be leaders, both in the military and after uh, they've served, regardless of how long they've served uh, in their communities. Um, full disclosure: I was recruited. I was a, a, a volleyball player out of uh, San Diego, California, only because that was the last place that my dad was stationed, not because I'm from there. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up around the world, um, and I had um, a little bit of talent, um, but my grades were pretty good. and uh, And so when I went, um, it was to it was to play volleyball. Uh, so, I like to say I majored in volleyball and and figured out the rest <laughs> how to survive there
0: <laughs>
2: but uh once you once you commission um, you know and that's that's based off of uh, a lot of different opportunities that you're exposed to while you're there during the summer months uh, you get to go through different summer training um, where they introduce you to the different communities in the navy um, some of where you go is dictated by your your academics, uh, how well you do or how well you don't do, depending on the situation, uh, your class ranking, um, and, and obviously what, what your desires are, uh, and, and really, more importantly, the needs of the Navy. And so when I graduated from the Naval Academy, uh, because I went in as a jock, I was looking for something um, very athletic, and so I uh, went into the Navy diving community as a Navy diver, um, mainly because... Uh, Just from from what I, having been raised, as I mentioned, being able to do anything, um, I saw the Navy diving community as an equal platform for me. The standards for men and women were identical, and if I was going to stand next to my peer, my male peer, I wanted him to know that I had done just as many pull-ups and push-ups and swimming as he had to be there.
1: So after the academy, you went to dive school, or after you went to prep school, then you went to dive school?
2: Yeah, so prep school, Naval Academy, uh, went to dive school. Uh, back then, diving, they lied a little bit. There wasn't much diving in, in Navy diving. <laughs> uh, I actually had to go through surface warfare school as well and uh, diesel engineering officer school, so a lot of schools. I was I was basically in school for the first two years after I was in the fleet, uh, and then my first um, – Duty station was in Hawaii, which sounds amazing, but when you're on a dive boat, it's actually arduous duty because the, the mission for a diving officer on one of the junk boats, as we like to call them, was salvage and towing. And so we were always mm-hmm. on call um, supporting anything that fell out of the sky or ran aground, which seemed like every day. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I, I get it. I, w- I wasn't a diver, but I was my first ship was a rescue salvage ship, and we were full of, of divers. So I like, guess I remember I get that. It. I remember that. Yes, that was, yes. That was your first yes.
2: tour. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> so you
1: know, it's a tough
2: duty on that small boat.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. How? Oh. So, so with that, so was your plan to stay in and retire uh, once you were in? Oh, no. Um, so that first tour was horrible, frankly.
2: Uh, I wanted to quit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, by that time, my, my stepfather who had raised me, my dad, uh, he was a chief by that time, maybe even a senior chief. Um, actually I know, I think he was already a master chief and he said, Hey, you know, uh, you don't get to quit. Um, you've invested way too much. He basically, you know, put his arm around me and said, find something else if you don't want to do this. Uh, and, and diving was, uh, also evolving at that point. Everybody was funnel being funneled into EOD school. Um, Uh, explosive ordnance disposal, and remember, I I told you I'm a jock, so I have no business doing any kind of math that requires bombs and thinking and (laughs) (laughs) technical stuff was not my forte. You do not want me defusing a bomb. Uh, And so I decided to switch over to the intelligence community. My dad uh, was a cryptologist, and he introduced me to the world of cryptology and intelligence and said, you know, you can do this thing that's called uh, lateral transfer, which in the Navy means that you can change your MOS or your designator and do something else. And that's what I did. And little did I know that uh, my dad was actually a mafia uh, in the the cryptology world. Everybody knew him once I got in there. I I discovered that um, because his life was based on need to know, I had no clue when we were moving around the world where he was or what he was doing, but once I got uh, introduced to that community, uh, I learned a lot about <laughs> my father's career because I I now had the need to know.
1: <laughs> Very cool. So with that so what um, you, you, tra- you transferred over into a whole different different community. So where you, did you see yourself? Okay, this is probably going to be. You know, I'm going to be done, and then I'm going to transition out of the military, and then I'm going to do this. No, I
2: I think everybody uh, in the military, when we enter the military, I'm not sure that anybody actually goes in saying, I'm going to stay for the, you know, 20 years, or I'm going to stay until they kick us out. I think you keep going until you either don't enjoy it anymore or – they ask you to leave. In my case, I, I stayed because they kept promoting me, uh, and I was, I was enjoying myself. I have done so many things in the Navy. I had a great career. Uh, I've jumped out of airplanes. I, as I mentioned, I was a Navy diver. I, I've driven ships. I've been on a carrier. Um, I've, I've worked for some amazing leaders. I've worked some, for some, some some big jerks and still and still managed to learn and uh, evolve uh, through the good and the bad. So, um, you know, I also wanted to inspire others. I grew up in a in an era where there were no uh, senior women with children. I didn't see uh, I didn't see me. I wanted to have kids and I wanted to have my career too. And so. Uh, as you get more senior, as you probably know this, you you, tend, you you realize that you're a role model whether you want to be or not. And I looked around and, and didn't see uh, women serving with families successfully anyway. So um, I have three sons that I had all on active duty, uh, and um, that's another reason why I stayed in because they eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, yep, and shopping at the exchange and the uh, commissary definitely helps with that as well.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, and Costco because everything's bigger uh, of there. <laughs> of course,
1: of course, of <laughs> course. uh, We're going to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. Uh, Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Women Lead Radio. Um, This partner is National University. They are proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates Students from across the U.S. and around the globe, with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all our sponsors and partners. We're um, so all right. We're back to the Women Veterans in Business, and with us today is Laura Hatcher. And we, we've just been talking about Laura's uh, career. Um, in 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 the Navy, and we just in, uh finished up with talking about how she had her had her boys during her time while she was in the navy so so let's let's fast forward a little bit when you're getting ready to say okay it i it's, it's time it's it's time for me to get out and to get into the civilian world and when it was that time what 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 did you want to do what did you think you were going to do uh so i I believe that we're
2: institutionalized to think that we need to go and get a high-paying job. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I really do. TAP kind of leads you, TAP being the transition assistance program classes. You know, it's deaf by PowerPoint for a whole week uh and it scares the crap out of you right about <laughs> you've got to mm-hmm. go get a job you've got to go you got to go make this money if you were making this much as a you know whatever rank uh you then you have to make three times as much because of all the things that you didn't realize that um, you know had value <laughs> and um and it and it's a lie <laughs> you don't have to go i like to say you don't have to go to the back to the borg uh, you can skip the cubicle and the commute and somebody else's drama. I I did go do that. Uh, I was an overachiever. Um, 31 years of having a job, you know, the thought of having a break in between there is unfathomable. Um, so I actually did have a job before I got off of active duty. I was double dipping. Um, and... Uh, I, I uh, worked for a nonprofit briefly, uh, but within that first year, I realized um, I don't I don't need to. The Navy's going to pay me a pension um, to wake up for the rest of my life. I might as well take that and go find something that I actually want to do, that I actually enjoy. Um, but the challenge that we all find is as excited as we are about getting out, about new prospects and new opportunities, um, for me anyway, I didn't know what I liked to do. I didn't know who I was. I had been defined by the uniform for so long. Uh, and so you have to really introduce yourself to yourself and figure out what your passions are um, one, once you leave. And no one told me to figure that out before I left, which I wish, looking back now, they had.
1: Well, you know, that's so So many of our um, members that transition military experience that, that same thing. Um, and so how did, how did you... How did you overcome that? And then how did you figure out, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm good at. I mean, how, how did you go through that process? So after
2: a year of working um, in the civilian world, <laughs> as we say it, uh, I had to re- really pause for a second and, and, and wake up and say, Am I, do I want to go to work? Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Uh, is this fun? And it wasn't. Uh, and I, as I reflect back, I, I know that I went through a period of grief, um, you know, being separated from a community that I have been in since I was nine years old. Um, I know that I um, was doubting my ability to, to find something I truly wanted to. And so I just kind of looked within, I had a, um, a side hustle the last couple of years that I was on active duty uh, taking pictures photography I didn't think much of it that, that I could make something out of that as a you know to sustain a uh, sustaining business but um, once I realized that uh, I have the unique opportunity to um, survive with health care already from the military a pension um, I thought why not you know, it's not for everybody. And I do tell people, you know, don't look at me as the example so much because I do have a few cushions here um, in terms of health care and that pension. Uh, so don't, don't quit your day job just yet. <laughs> Build up that business first. But I, I, I basically said, let me do this. Let me figure out if I can do this. And um, it's evolved. It's, it's definitely it was a slow start because uh, you know imposter syndrome starts to kick in right um you go through kind of an esteem shock where your uniform was your walking resume you know when you walked in when i walked in the room i didn't have to open my mouth uh because people looked at all the bling on my uniform and the rank and thought okay you know she knows what she's doing um that's not the same once you're out and so especially when you go into the small business world um you have to first teach yourself how to Talk to yourself confidently about being able to do something, even if you can't do it. You, you've got to basically really, really dig in deep and uh, get, a, get around that um, imposter
1: syndrome. Absolutely. It's one of the, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges, too, especially as women we face, right, is that, um, that imposter syndrome. Um, and, and then also, too, you know, you talk about your, your different challenges and can you make this a business? And you know, a lot of people they start it as a hobby, and then how do you form that as a business? So, when you went through that process of okay, this this can this will no longer be a hobby. This is a business. Did you put like a, a business plan together? Do you say okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna do this from my home, or I'm gonna order a I'm gonna a, um, buy a building and have a studio? Or do you think? Of course, they probably gradually progressed, but. How did, that, how did that start for you? Yeah, I, uh,
2: the Navy taught me how to sink or swim, right? So pretty much, and I think any service teaches you that. When you go to your next duty station, you're not qualified. You, you haven't done that before. You might have some skill sets that you bring to the table, but you don't specifically know what to do. And so I just approached it like that. I'm PCSing into a new command. Uh, and I'm going to figure it out, and they and I'm going to figure out what resources are out there, and there are some amazing resources, especially for veterans. Um, I now teach a photography business class um, here in Northern Virginia because I wanted um, I couldn't find. Uh, a class that taught me how to come up with an actionable plan. And so now I, I'm, I'm trying to help other photographers figure that out. And it really starts with the Small Business Development Center, uh, a free resource that, that most people don't realize are there. And they have counselors that will sit down. Um, some great resources for women veterans are the IVMS programs with the University of Syracuse, and, um, V-WISE, uh, Veteran Women uh, Igniting the Spirit of Entrepreneurs, those are amazing. You know, we need to take advantage of those resources and, and uh, as women, uh, share those with other women so that, that they can progress as well. Um, and that's the hard part, right, is not knowing. I don't know what I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So,
2: <laughs> so surround yourself with people who do know, you know, and social media has made it so much easier to tap somebody virtually on the shoulder and say, what you're doing, um, could you point me in the right direction of how to get started? And most people, especially on LinkedIn, um, are expecting that. They want to share that information with you.
1: Well, Speaking of LinkedIn, how can people um, best connect with you? Uh, so I am on
2: LinkedIn. I'm, I'm everywhere, not because I want to be, <laughs> <laughs> but because of business. Uh, I found that if you're staying top of mind, uh, you need to do that through social media. Um, it's the bane of my existence. But I am on Instagram. Uh, my handle there is Spike Navy. Um, that alludes back to the volleyball. Uh, I am on YouTube. I am on a website, laurahatchphotography.com. Uh, LinkedIn, as I mentioned. I just joined Threads. I'm not sure why, because I feel like it's just a Word version of Instagram, <laughs> but I followed the masses.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: Hey, I hear you. It was easy to create an account, right? Because if you're on Instagram, you can just click a couple buttons, and now you're on Thread.
2: Right, and you have like an instant number of followers, because yes. they're all the same followers from Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, too, <laughs> so just about anywhere.
1: So, so you also you um you have a, a photography studio and uh and tell tell us tell us about your your cozy photography studio. Yes, I have a 525 square foot
2: cozy cozy. Um someone said don't say the word little because you know words matter, right? And so yeah. I changed it to cozy. <laughs> love it. Um it's a headshot uh photography studio uh when I got the studio, I didn't know how to take high shots, so that's another example of how the Navy taught me to just barge in there and figure it out, lady. (laughs) Um, I was an event photographer when I got the studio, but uh, I basically walked into this studio when it was owned by another photographer, um, and I looked around, and I said, ma'am, I want to be just like you. Will you be my mentor? Uh, Her name was Katie, or is Katie Garlock, and she... um, has been in the business a long time. And I told her, I said, hey, the military teaches us to surround ourselves with mentors and accountability buddies if we aspire to be where, where you are. And uh, she mentored me for about three years. And then somewhere along the way, she mentioned she was going to go back um, to the Midwest somewhere to settle down closer to her family. And I I said out loud, how much rent do you pay here? <laughs> And the rest is history. (laughs) Keep in mind, I still didn't know how to take a headshot.
1: (laughs) And now now Uh, you have it perfected,
2: yes. (laughs) Well, there's never such a thing in photography. You can always grow. And that's, I think, one of the lessons I've learned as well is you really need to continue to learn. Never stop learning. Because I actually firmly believe that that imposter syndrome is helpful for that uh, because it keeps you grounded right, because if you feel like you've made it or you're at the top, that's where you're prone to fall down again, uh, getting too full
1: of yourself. And so with your photography, because your, your, your studio is in Old Town, Alexandria, now do you, Correct. so having been in the military, of course, you do a lot of in-uniform photos as well as um, out-of-uniform, so does somebody have to have been in the military um, to utilize your services?
2: None at all. Uh, I my audience generally is transitioning veterans, whether they've been in for five minutes or, or um, you know, an entire career. Uh, I have a very strong word of mouth um, process, and mainly because of of LinkedIn, I believe. Um, but no, I I service the area. Um, I photograph um, senior portraits as well as corporate. Uh, One of my favorite things to do, though, is retirement ceremonies for the military, mainly because, uh, as you know, retirement ceremonies, especially Navy, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance, and I just enjoy capturing every single detail and then uh, providing that retiree with uh, a coffee book that lays out the entire event again because – it's like a wedding, right? At the end of that, you're so overwhelmed with how many people came out to support you. You don't remember who was there, and to be able to pick up a beautiful heirloom like that and uh, see who was there um, after everything dust has settled is, is I, I think probably the most important thing is to celebrate that legacy with, with that
1: memory. Oh, it's giving me goosebumps! It's giving me goosebumps. <laughs> That's <laughs> so. <cool. laughs> there you go. Hey, well this. Let's just let's go in a little bit further now too, because you have an exhibit. So tell everybody about this exhibit that you currently have on display. Ah uh, yes. So last
2: fall, uh, the Virginia War Memorial, which is located in Richmond, Virginia, approached me, uh, Dr. Uh, Clay Mountcastle, and asked me if I would consider uh, traveling around the state of Virginia and photographing uh, fifty. Uh, Vietnam veterans from the state of Virginia. Um, it was in uh, preparation for the 50th anniversary um, of the signing of the Paris Peace Accords, which was in late January of this year. I believe it was the 27th of January uh, was the 50th anniversary. And so we, we did that. We went around um, four major uh, locations in the state of Virginia, um, photographed on 50 Uh, six of them were women. I was trying to get more than than six. I was trying to get it up to at least 10. Um, But as you know, uh, especially from that era, many women do not identify themselves as veterans. Um, But it was just an amazing, an amazing event. And the exhibit is on for the entire year of 2023. And I believe it's going to stay up for a little bit longer um, into early 2024. And uh, it's, I've never seen my pictures so um, produced so large. <laughs> I've always seen them on the screen, so <laughs> it was a little overwhelming to walk in and see uh, these huge, uh, life-size, um, you know, portraits uh, in black and white of these 50 veterans. Uh, and we had a grand opening, and I got to tell you, that was the most. I'm getting goosebumps now just talking about it. That was the most memorable. Event when they invited, um, about 30 of them were able to come with their extended families for the grand opening. Uh, and it's just really neat. We also, I also invited uh, uh, a peer of mine, uh, the Army version of me, if you will, Pamela Vines. Uh, she owns her own uh, documentary and video, uh, videography company. And she um, videotaped uh, and documented via video, uh, the entire, the entire thing, and um, it's it's just neat. It's just neat to see. So when you go see the exhibit, you'll see their face in black and white, large portrait. Then you'll see a candid photo of them from 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 that veteran uh, of their time in country in Vietnam. And then there'll be a small little QR code that you can put your phone up against. It's truly interactive, so that you can see a little bit of the interview that we did with them.
1: Love it, yeah photographs are are, are so important right, to tell our history and um to do that and i and i and I love what you're you're doing and, you know and believe it or not, we're coming very close up to um our time but share with us what's 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 next for you you've got an exhibit going what's what's next for you um I'm not sure yet, I'm just kind of
2: enjoying uh life one day at a time i i currently have a new puppy <laughs> on the brink of uh of being an empty nester we decided to take on uh something young to keep us awake uh and so that's been slowing me down just a little bit <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Well, I I truly I I thank you for your time today. Thank you for your your service. Of course, I'm a little biased, you know, having served in in the Navy um, as well. So um, thank you again for all that you do. And um, that's our show for today. Um, And, again, I'd like to say thank you to Laura for being our leading lady today and a special thanks to all our listeners both in the U.S. and internationally as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and and iHeart Radio. We are expanding quickly to a daily show and podcast, so for now, we'll be back again for another live Women Lead Radio show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. It's been my pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening and have a great week.